This is Live at Five with Glenn Curry. Oh. 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 What do you think this is? The army where you shoot them a mile away? You gotta get up close like this. But a bing, you blow their brains all over your nice cyber league suit. Feel like kidding? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! German? Forget it, he's rolling. <laughs> Learn it, know it, live it. Are you running a business or a charity war? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Uh, Yankees win! Pull over! No, it's a cardigan, but thanks for noticing. You a pothead fucker? This is Live at Five, Live yes, at Five, yes. Live at Five. Thursday show. Here with your so-called host. We might be getting a phone call today at some time or another from Nate from the uh, Watertown Rapids, the baseball team. Uh, they got a couple of games uh, left before they go on the road in, for a little bit uh, for the Jefferson County Fair. Uh, but for the most part, today's show will be business as always. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Just sort of debate on, uh, on a segment on Facebook or whatever with Tucker Carlson and a liberal reporter. It's too long. I won't share it here, but nonetheless, it's, uh, it's good stuff. It really is. And it really speaks volumes to how the young uh, journalist generation uh, thinks. And because Tucker is the best. There's no doubt about it. I know that I say that ad nauseum here. Talking about another show that we're not associated with by any means. We don't even have Fox News here. We're kind of like uh, we're a contradiction in terms. We have Republican radio pundits all day, 24-7. And night, and yet we play CBS uh, News. So it's it, it's an interesting dynamic. I don't know if anyone's ever brought that up before, but I'm bringing it up now. Where you know you'll go from Hannity, 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 me, Jeff, uh, Chris Plant, Brian Kilmeade, and then at the top and the bottom of the hour, you go right back to, back to liberal journalism, CBS News. Uh, you just noted that if you were listening to the news, the biggest uh, uh, ratings grabber for the January 6 hearings recently, uh, were last week's, or was it two weeks ago now, uh, when Miss Hutchinson became a household name. No one knew who she was. No one even knew the chief of staff at the time. I mean, a lot of people did on the Beltway, of course, but the average schmuck didn't. But everyone knows Meadows had an assistant who's cute, who went on, who went on, in, on, on the stand in front of Congress like uh, Chi-Chi did in Godfather 2. Yeah, we got a lot of buffers in the family, Senator. And she went on and on about that. Now, again, I wouldn't say, I, I, I'm not saying that Fox wouldn't report the same thing, but obviously they would have a different twist. In fact, if you listen to our Crosstown competitor, I'm not supposed to say that, uh, they are very fair and balanced as far as conservative uh, values are concerned. But it's an interesting dynamic. That's why I guess you could say we're more fair, fair and balanced with the CBS News. Just a thought. So, w anyway, I was watching Tucker uh, just, you know, try to get his point across in what appeared to be a conference that was live in, in front of a, a forum. And the young guy was from Politico or the Huffington Post. I don't know where he came from. It doesn't matter. But he insisted on trying to uh, make or, or ask or portray, I should say, Tucker Carlson as a white supremacist. And his big thing was about his, what he said recently in recent months about the replacement theory. 
And, of course, Tucker had his own answer. He couldn't really answer it. The guy kept on interrupting him. Very similar to how Jeff Graham was interrupting Mario uh, Frado today. Nonetheless, just an observation. Jeff's one of the best. He is the best. I love him to death like a brother. But he did inter- uh, interrupt uh, Frado a couple of times. He was trying to answer a question. He was asking something completely different. So uh, I don't know if I could. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll share that on my Facebook page. I, I don't push my Facebook page for this show that much. Um, I don't push much of my own stuff as it is. I've never, I've never been good at that. Uh, but I appreciate you, uh, people listening right now and every given day, uh, right here on AM 1240 at the 5 o'clock hour. Because we always try to mirror uh, the, the programming that uh, Jim Levin has put on AM 1240 now uh, since, uh, since he got here. And I know I pick on him, and he's a liberal, and he really is. But at the end of the day, he, does, uh, he is a broadcaster, and he knows the difference between well, you know, I, I keep saying, like, uh, uh, Michael Jordan made a, a famous quote to why he doesn't get involved with politics. And this was way before people just insist on getting involved in politics, uh, celebrity or not. But he said back in the 80s or 90s when he was selling his Nike sneakers, he says, you know, Republicans buy sneakers, too. And it's so true. But today, people are more interested, like Gavin Newsom, who apparently is going to run for president as, as a spinoff primary against Joe Biden. That's at least the way it's been portrayed, that this guy wants to run America like he's done so well in California. But uh, anyway, uh, <clears throat> you know, I don't know where I was going with that. But nonetheless, uh, it, it, Jim is a, a good broadcaster and realizes, uh, just like Jim, uh, check that uh, Michael Jordan does, that uh, people should obviously hear both sides of the story. But at the same time, no one should be ostracized. No one should be left out of the equation. And like I've said many, many times, if uh, many of the liberal pundits and celebrities like Bette Midler had the ability to be a witchcraft like she was uh, in one of those movies with Cher and the other girl from uh, Sex and the City, I'm forgetting the name right now. Witchcraft, what was the name of that movie? Uh, anyway, if she had the ability to snap her fingers like I do in a Widrick uh, auto sales commercial to eliminate each and every one of us, they would. They would. And they would do it in the best interest of our democracy. That's how they save the world. Uh, all right, so there's a couple of things that I wanted to share with you. I, I, I got to go to my email because what I do, it's quite interesting, is that I simply go and, and whenever I see something, I just email it to myself. That's my... That's Middle, the, they all get classified as autistic. Gotcha. So, you know, again, as a father um, of a six-year-old, and, and God bless you, uh, by the way, you and your wife, uh, you know, for, for these new challenges in your life. What are your thoughts? The, I mean, I'm sure a lot of things race through your mind, sir, about this, to how this happened. So, what, you know, within your own research, you know, what, what have you discovered about this? And, you know, is, is this something my, that... My own research yeah. and every doctor I've talked to have basically come up empty-handed because they, uh, you know, I, you, they don't blame it on genes. They say it's not hereditary. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, they don't even blame it on, say, drugs or alcohol, or they don't blame it on. It's it really just come up empty-handed. It's like it's like they really don't know why. Right. That must be frustrating. It is. It is because you know you'd like to know what happened. Right. Right. Well, I mean. I, I, I don't know what to say other than, you know, I, I'm the type of guy that says, well, there's got to be a reason for this, but maybe there is no reason for it. Uh, maybe this has been going on for generations, for millennials, for all we know. Maybe autism existed back in the dark ages. They just didn't diagnose, they didn't diagnose it that when I was a kid, when you were a kid. So this is something very, very new. So would this explain why well, I mean, the... Every, yeah. 
I, I had learning disabilities to a point. I was really good in math and science. Mm-hmm. Um, I was okay in history as long as I found it interesting. Right, right, right. English, I couldn't figure out how to write an essay or anything like that to save my life. Well, I mean... They'd say, I'll read this book and then write an essay on how you felt about it. And right. I just, all I have was a... I don't, you know... Yeah. But now, any type of learning disability like that whatsoever... Right. They, a lot of these doctors call it autistic, and then they want to start prescribing you those medicines. How do you feel about the medicines, the, the medications? I couldn't be more anti-medication. Absolutely anti-medication. I don't think it... I think the long-term effects, I mean, because they, they give you these medicines, especially, they, you know, they want to give them to young kids. They just expect you to take them their whole life. Right, right, right. And, and I think that the, eventually there's going to be, I don't care what medicine it is, you know, if you take eight Tylenol a day every day, and Tylenol is supposed to be safe, and you only take the recommended dose, eventually you're not going to have a liver or something. Right, right, your stomach's going to burn out. Yeah, I mean, there's, so there's 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 going to be, I think, the... Well, it's, the it's not going to be effective enough. And here's the other thing. I, I, I get a sense that, you know, when young people are diagnosed, uh, they kind of live with that label for the rest of their lives and explain, oh, that's just because I'm this, uh, which is fine, but sometimes that might be, therefore, become a crutch, in a sense. It, uh, well, that's the other thing. So people that are fully functional can go to work. They don't, you know, there's, other than maybe they have a certain disabilities of why I'm autistic and then right. well people like me look at it and go well I don't I would disagree with that I think you just have trouble with something right well uh, I mean uh, jeepers uh, and, and by the way uh, I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb uh, do you get good what you consider good care here for your son's uh, issues up here in medically from our facilities around here and or Syracuse yeah yeah, I'd say. I mean, I don't. I don't think you'll find better anywhere else. One good thing we have around here is, uh, and I'll, my son goes to South Jeff. Right. Is there's people there that really care. That's awesome. So if anybody there's listening, well, not only that, but and I know someone right here in this building who who has special needs uh, a daughter, and he just could, can't say enough about Arc, formerly JRC. And at one point, he had an opportunity to get a very cushy job somewhere else, but he chose not to because he knew he would be running. He would he'd be you know taking his daughter away from that environment that he felt so safe around here. Uh, so uh, and you know that's that's great. That really is. Yeah, yeah I've met a lot of people that work there, and uh, you know, I mean, it all depends. I mean, you got the right people in place that actually care. Right, and you have the resources and facilities uh, that work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's one thing. And, and again, remember, uh, ARC is not run by the county and or state. I used to think it was, but it's, uh, it's all independent. And, uh, of course, you know, yep. the JR, uh, South Jeff, of course, is done through the state, and that's great to hear. It's no surprise that uh, South Jeff and our other school districts are tops when it comes to that, uh, when it comes yeah, to... Yeah, I hear, I hear, I actually, I've never heard anything bad about any of the school districts. No, no, and I know a friend of mine uh, works up at uh, Indian River, and he's outstanding, and I know other people in that capacity in other school districts around the state. So, uh, you know, we'll say what you want about New York State, and there's a lot of things we could say about it, as you know. Uh, but uh, we're, we're, we're tops in that category. Uh, but, but, again, it all comes down to, is there a cause and effect? I'm not a scientist. I'm certainly not a chemist or, you know, I can't put one before the other. And I wasn't very good either in, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, testing and whatnot when I was young. But both you and I can honestly say we're smart people regardless of what, what we thought we were back in the day. But what's tragic yeah. is that more these, this percentage that I read from the blaze, it, it might be a reflection that what was already there 
but something tells me well, like, it's something's like up. Like I said, you know, I mean, it could just be because my son's autistic that I just happen to come across it more now. Right, right. But I come across it almost on a daily basis. You now, do. It seems like. Yeah. Hmm. Hopefully, I mean, again, with all the things in the world, and, and again, we're not even talking, I mean, yes, I don't want to make any reference to, su- to suggest that, that these mass murders have anything to do with autism, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, Tucker brought up something the other night about depression and uh, over-medicated kids that on Zoloft and other medications uh, where they're supposed to be, you know, this is supposed to help them, but instead it seems to be driving them to the point where they just want to kill people for some reason. Uh, and you well, I think there's a, con- a counter effect, too, where... They go see the psychiatrist that's supposed to help them. Yeah. And basically tell them, you know, you're normal, you're fine. Maybe you're just a little socially awkward. Try this. Right. Instead, they give them all these medications. Go, oh, yeah, you're messed up. You got to take these medications. Right. And, 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 you, and you wonder. To if, me, there'd be, a, there'd be a side effect to that, just that alone. Right, right. So uh, you're very careful as far as what medication you give your son then. Yeah. Yeah, very, very, very cautious. Right, right, right. Well, again, God bless you and, and your son and, and everyone involved. And, uh, and thank you for sharing that with us, sir. All right. Thanks, Glenn. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's, this is our community, and uh, we, we share things like that on the Live at Five show. And thank you for that. Hi, you're in the air. Yes, Glenn. Um, long time ago, when my son was in grammar school and he was at Wiley, Ridlin was the drug of choice. Right. If they saw boys being boys, that means they they had something wrong with them. I'll never forget that. And there were tons of kids that were at Wiley that they put on Ridlin. Now, that was uh, 30, 30 years ago. And um, I think it's got the after effects now. And I think about, I think back when I was in school in the 60s, um, probably half the kids would be considered in trouble and would be put on drugs today. Mm-hmm. When boys were boys and girls were girls, uh, they considered them <clears throat> years ago that there was a problem. Right. Boys couldn't go out and wrestle, couldn't, you know, couldn't be active. They wouldn't let them do that. Mm-hmm. So they, and Ritalin was rampant. In our school system, at one time, thirty years ago, yeah. And I'm wondering if if uh, kids stayed on that. Now they're adults that they aren't messed up, you know, really mentally messed up. From, on from the like from your the medication. caller was right. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you take. If you take enough of it, you're going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. You could take aspirin, Tylenol, any of that. If you take too much of it, your body is going to react. Mm-hmm. Not just physical but your mental aspect mm-hmm. will will screw up and you will have problems the rest of your life mm-hmm. you know you got people that um have taken so many uh prescription drugs mm-hmm. that um they can't function and uh but i think that a lot of it like i said was back in the time and uh kids couldn't be kids mm-hmm. and uh they figured they just put them on that stuff and that way put them on the Ritalin and that way they'd be calm right, right. and uh, they yeah. wouldn't have Puts out you the know, fire. that type of problem right right okay Glenn I appreciate it well thank you and uh, I got another call uh, for someone thanking that gentleman for sharing that experience um, you know that's true I don't know 
I don't know. I just know that uh, it's something that, um, as an outsider looking in, I, I just I just notice these things. And then, of course, I read a lot, and uh, I see articles that might be alarming, and others might be full of malarkey. Who knows? And speaking of which, uh, we're at the bottom of the show, so let's do a break. Uh, you're listening to the Live at Five show with You Know Who, and uh, we'll do this, and we'll be back right after these messages. Don't go away. If you're looking for a... Uh, welcome back to the show. Let me turn that down. Sorry. <sighs> oh, you know what? Uh, News Junkie. Uh, by the way, thanks to News Junkie uh, for uh, helping me promote the new Bad Apple Garage on the south side on State Street, on Washington Street. I keep saying State Street. What's the matter with me? It is the Bad Apple Garage. It used to be the uh, 10-minute oil place, Fast Little Watertown, uh, right there near the high school. So anyway, that video I did a couple weeks ago, it's on uh, News Junkie right now. Kate is the spokesperson. She did a great job, as always, and uh, it's a great place. Small but mighty, that's for sure. So uh, check out the, the Bad Apple Saloon, all, uh, Bad Apple Garage, also associated with the Bad Apple Saloon, uh, uh, which, is all, which is on Arsenal Street right here in Watertown. Uh, not many people know this, but Shannon also owns a bar in Lions Falls, too. I forget what they call that, the Bad Apple something. I forget. Den or something. All right, so News Junkie uh, shared something. I, I don't know if it was on their page or on their Facebook page, one or the other. <coughs> and I've seen this before. This is not the first time where the son or daughter of, of a lost, of, a, of you know, in this case, uh, th- their father passed on. Now, typically, when you see an obit, uh, it's always kind, right? It should be. Um, it, it might be a little exaggerated. I know when one of my uncles died like 10 years ago, uh, the, 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 it made him look like he was president of the United States. Granted, he, yes, he was a World War II veteran. He was a proud veteran. He went to uh, the, uh, Germany uh, right at the tail end of the war, uh, uh, Battle of the Bulge. He was also a soldier right here at, at Camp Drum at the time, or Pine Camp, whatever they called it. And uh, so, again, but a lot of things were in there like, wow, I didn't think Uncle John was that, you know, illustrious. But that's what obits are supposed to do. It's the last message about you. It's supposed to say you did this, you did that. You know, if you're in the Watertown Daily Times, they'll say also got a DWI, 1989, uh, beat up his dog, whatever. But in this case, man from upstate New York, this according to an article on Syracuse.com shared on News Junkie, a man from upstate New York gets scathing obituary, father to many and a dad to none. Although he had, like he said in the headline, he, he was a dad, he was a father, but he fathered a lot of children. But apparently he wasn't a very good dad. So a man from upstate New York is going viral online. This is on News Junkie. He says, and I quote, he is survived by three children, five uh, well, as of 2022, we believe there's more than one that we know about, but there could be more. His love was abundant when he came to himself, but for his children, it was limited, the obit said. From a young age, he was a ladies' man and an abusive alcoholic, solidifying his commitment to both with the path of destruction he left behind, damaging his adult children and leaving them broken. Plath Jr., who told WTLV he hadn't talked to his dad in 30 years. Uh, he said he abused his first wife and children. His father also had his gun and his badge taken away from the New York Police Department after 20 years in the NYPD uh, due to alcohol addiction and negligence. Uh, he later claimed to be clean and sober for decades but never worked uh, the 12 steps in Alcoholics Anonymous. He goes on to say he possesses no redeeming qualities for his children. This is in the obit, including the ones he knew and the ones he knew about, the obit said. 
Lawrence Sr.'s passing proves that evil does eventually die. It's pretty strong words, and it marks a time of healing which will allow his children to get the closure they deserve. Lawrence Sr. could be remembered for being a father to many and a dad to none. I don't know. Is this right? Is this okay? I mean, it's the last thing we'll know about somebody. He's not around to argue. I dare say is, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's legal issues for the dead uh, and the living, obviously. But can one be sued for slander or, in this case, liability because it's the written word in an obit? Could they they be liable for this after the man has passed on? I would hate to have my legacy like this. But then again, I, I didn't sire children that I either abused or neglected. Uh, I didn't beat up anybody in my life, I'm, I'm thankful to say. But it, 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 again, it's, it's some crazy way you can almost associate this with the red flag laws because, yes, this, this, yes, this man wanted to write an old bit about his dad and he wanted to tell the world the truth, and he did. And most people will look at that and say, that's a brave thing to do. And I'll say it first right here. It's a very brave thing to do. But is it right? None of my business, but since I have a radio show, I figure I have the opportunity now to ask that question. Is it correct? If you didn't like someone, your mom or dad, and you, you were the power of attorney or you were in a powerful place to write his or her obit, would you go this far? Would that make you feel good? Would that give you the closure? Apparently it does. That's what it states there. This is good closure. I don't know. Good question for, for, uh, for attorney Joe Stanley next week. But if you want to uh, comment on it right here, by all means. Give me a shout here at 755-1240, 755-1240. And then the other thing that I I sent to myself recently, and I'm just opening it up right now, I I, I sent myself a little note. I don't quite understand it. By the way, I failed to mention this. This is a very sad day. Uh, James Caan died at 82 last night in his home in California. Uh, We all know James Caan for many reasons. I, of course, uh, remember him for his most ultimate role as Sonny Corleone in Godfather 1 and 2. He had that short little uh, stint there at the very end of uh, Godfather 2. Uh, and, uh, you know, 82, a good life. I, I wish he lived longer. He lived longer than uh, Ray Liotta and uh, many other celebrities who've been passed, who've, been, uh, who, who've left us in recent months and years at uh, much younger ages. He had a great body of work. Um, a lot of his movies he did outside The Godfather I didn't really a- appreciate. Uh, Cinderella Liberty was gritty. He was good in that, real good. Uh, I wasn't a big Elf fan. And I didn't like the movie uh, Where the Boys Are uh, with Bette Midler. I thought sometimes he just seemed out of place. But that happens to me, to me because when you look at someone as Sonny Corleone and only Sonny Corleone, uh, he becomes, in my head, at least typecast. But he was a really good guy. He talked a lot during those interviews when they had the, uh, the entire cast of The Godfather uh, together. I thought he'd try to hog the show, but... Again, I don't want to talk bad about the guy like the guy talked about his father in that old bit. But nonetheless, a big, big loss in Hollywood at 82 years old. James Caan, Sonny Corleone, uh, who my brother stated in a, in a family thread today, he was so angry that those people shot him at the toll booth scene in Godfather 1. And he was, equ- and he was really incensed when Sonny was lying down on the ground there and was kicked in the, in the face at the very end and then shot again. That really pissed him off. Of course, it was just a movie, Brian. But nonetheless, that's how good that scene was. And one of the most memorable scenes in movie history, not to mention the greatest movie ever made. So Sonny uh, Corleone officially didn't die at the uh, toll booth scene in The Godfather back in 1947. In fact, he died last night in Los Angeles at age 82. 
All right, so uh, Friends Creator. This is what I wanted to share with you. Friends was a good show. I wasn't a big Friends fan when it was on. Uh, I, I, I've always become a fan of shows when they went into syndication. I don't know why. That stems back to, like, The Odd Couple with uh, Tony Randall and Jack Klugman. I never really saw the show on Thursday nights or Tuesday nights when it was on ABC back in the early 70s, but it took off, in my mind, when it went into syndication where you could see it each and every night. The same thing is, is true for Friends, so many other shows, uh, th- um, The Big Bang Theory, Two and a Half Men. You don't have to wait every seven days to see a show that you could watch at 5.30 in the afternoon or at night or TBS or any one of these networks are showing them ad nauseum forever. Uh, but Friends was a good show, is a good show. It was very well written. Uh, uh, some of the actors obviously went on to do great things. Some of them didn't. Uh, but uh, the, the creator of Friends, Friends creator, is donating. Check this out, folks. This according to Blaze, once again, Glenn Beck's uh, site. Is donating $4 million to make up for lack of diversity in the popular show. And she goes on, and I quote, she says, I'm embarrassed that I didn't know better. So here's an example of you know, a New York uh, you know, Irish chick. I'm kidding who is the creator of the mega-popular show Friends, embarrassed about the lack of diversity on the show. She's putting out $4 million donation to make amends for her demographic sins. I'm just trying to get her name here. Let me just find it here. Uh, Co-creator Marta Kaufman uh, said she initially was frustrated by the criticism and believed that the show was unfairly singled out. I can go on about this. I've learned a lot in the last 20 years, Kaufman explained in an interview with Zoom. There's a high-class... Uh, journalist uh, network, admitting and accepting guilt is not easy. It's painful looking at yourself in the mirror, she says. I'm embarrassed that I didn't know better 25 years later. Kaufman said that the protest against the death of George Floyd opened her eyes to the presence of racism in society. So here's an example. Kaufman donating now $4 million to uh, Brandeis University, her alma mater, to fund and endow uh, uh, a chair to their Department of African and uh, African American Studies. You know, we talked about Godfather 1 and 2. Who could forget Godfather 3, uh, where Michael Corleone wants to sell his indulgences to the Lord, to the, to the papacy, to the Pope. And he goes to the Vatican and he says, I've sinned. I killed my brother. I've killed others. I've had other people killed. And I want to go through the gates of heaven. So he donates millions of dollars to the Catholic Church. And, of course, as the movie unravels, you realize that uh, the papacy, the Vatican, is very corrupt. and you know Some people have to die there at the very end. And it's a horrible movie. It should never have been made. But nonetheless, it kind of ties into this, and to what, you know, the, what, what the world was, out, was like, particularly in Europe, where you had to sell your indulgences to, to, kind of for, you know, to ask forgiveness from God himself for your sins. I'm not supposed to enjoy myself. I, I wrote the, one of the most successful shows in the 90s and early 2000s, and years later I saw George Floyd, you know, w- w- tons of fentanyl in his system, although I don't want to admit that, but he, was bre- he, wanted to, he wanted to breathe again, and he couldn't. And I saw all the inequalities and injustices, and I said, oh my God, I didn't put any black characters in Friends when I had the chance 20 years earlier. What's the matter with me? I'm going to give $4 million to Brandeis University. I'm going to feel real good about myself. Thank you. End of story. I feel better now. Michael Colleone. He felt better. Terrible movie. So there you have it. There's the, there's the classic example of elitist white guilt. What's her name? O. Kaufman? No, it's Kaufman, of course. I'm sorry, but it's, it's, just, it's one of those New York things that just drives me crazy. It really drives me crazy. Call me what you want. I really don't care. 
But this is just a perfect example of how New York attitudes are. Just awful. All right, 755-1240. Don't forget the 315. 755-1240 is the number to get in contact with me. I think Friends is a great show. It really is. I, I, like I said, I never got into it. And I can't tell you which character is, one, is better than the other. Courtney Cox is very funny. Uh, Schwimmer, uh, Schwimmer is funny. The dopey girl there, uh, what was her name? Amy? I can't remember her name. And, of course, uh, Jennifer Aniston and Joey, who went on to have a successful show for a little bit. Uh, with uh, Adriana from The Sopranos. That went on for a little bit. Then he had another show on uh, with the guy from Saturday Night Live where they played brothers. That, that was short-lived. Another great show that I watch in syndication quite often with my wife when there's nothing on TV, I'm telling you. <laughs> Jeez, I'm turning into Rodney Daniel. I tell you. I, I watch, you know, I look up and down the list of, of things to watch at night. You know, if we're not watching the Yankee game or Tucker or the first five minutes of Hannity and whatnot, we, we will just bounce around. And, and inevitably, I stop off at two locations. It could be TNT or TBS, either one of them showing uh, Everyone Loves Raymond. Such a good show because you know within 30 seconds of putting it on, you're going to laugh once. Same thing with Two and a Half Men. You just, you're going to laugh. No one's come out of that show successfully other than the mother who did uh, in The Middle, which I never liked. And then uh, Bobby, or was it Robert, the big tall guy, uh, he, he went on to do a show for a little bit, but it wasn't very good. But I only bring that up because he's doing, he's doing ads for, a, I believe, a, delicate, a, a chain called Jimmy John's, where he plays, well, I guess he's trying to play like some type of old-fashioned 70s gangster that's being driven around in an old you know, Cadillac Seville from the 70s. And one thing I have to say about it is that he's awful. He, his, his depiction, his adaptation, I know it's a commercial campaign, like, don't get me wrong, but people's careers can be made or broken with a campaign like this because, yes, we know him as Robert, the cop from Raymond, but he hasn't done much sense, and now he's doing Jimmy John ads, and he looks terrible. He's just over, nothing worse than overacting, and he's really overacting in those Jimmy John ads. By the way, I never heard of Jimmy John's. I have no clue where they are. Hi, you're in the air. Hey, Glenn, how's it going? Richard, uh, how, how, you're, you had your thing yesterday. You were coming back yesterday. Thank God you weren't driving. It's a day later after your fifth operation, and how do you feel? Um, how's it sore. feel to be all American? Sore. Um, let's see. Uh, I had to go back today for the 24-hour checkup. It's, it's uh, you know, when I stab my eye with some uh, cotton balls, I get some blood, so it's still bleeding a little bit. So, okay, so you've got, by the way, turn your radio down if you, if you, can, yeah, if you can find it. Ah, uh, sorry. I had to throw that out there. And I just want to ask Richard when he comes back. Uh, is, now this has been Rich, you there? Yep. Okay, so this has been your fifth time. The that the, eye, yeah. The, the, and that, oh God. Uh, with your experiences before, is this any different than your experiences before when you had this procedure done? It's about the same thing. You feel this gritty feeling, and uh, you're sore for a while, and it's all black and blue. It looks like somebody beat and the, me up. And the, and the reason why I ask is I always base it on history. I mean, I, I have an ailment right now that won't go away. It's chronic. I blame it on the uh, on the vax. Maybe I'm just getting old and, and ready to depart and meet up with Sonny one of these days. Who knows? But right. I, I, we all have to meet our maker at one time or another, and we have to come to terms with ourselves. But, you know, you've gone through this five times. And so tell me, do you feel confident that this time is the last time, Rich? Well, that's exactly what I told him today. I said, there's not going to be any more of the shots in the back of my eye. Ugh. I'm not seeing any better than I did last August when I had the cataract surgery. Right. And, you know, so it's, I said, 
this is it for me as far as operations. I'm not going to let them do it again. I don't care if I, you know, I'm not losing much sight that I don't have anyways. Right now all I see when I close my eye is a big tire and a rim. And is that good or bad? Well, they put an air bubble in me for 10 days to make up for when they drain the oil out of me, you know what I mean? Right. They have to put something there to, to fill the void. So that, that, that'll go away in about 10 days, he said. But All right, I, so, so, so here's the thing. If, if somehow or other you can, you know, obviously you could stay in touch. You're calling me right now. Right. I, I got to reach out to Joe. I said I was going to do it yesterday. I did not. I apologize. I'm just, you know, getting other things done, and I will do that tomorrow morning. But that said, um, keep us abreast of this, and let's see what the hell's going on here. Because, by the way, did you say you had this done to your other eye too, Rich? Well, I had the cataract surgery in the other eye. At the first, that was the first one I had done. I had a, uh, at a, doesn't matter, but up in Carthage. But anyways, and that one turned out really good. I mean, after they did it, immediately I could see, and I'm going, wow, it's the first time, Glenn. You know, you wore glasses a while, too. Yeah. It's the first time since I was 10 years old I could see without glasses. Oh, that, that's awesome. Yeah, it must have been a great the feeling. Distance. But, but this, but this yeah. Once they do the cataract surgery, you either got the distance. Right. You're going to wear glasses to read because you can't see nothing when you go in a store. Isn't that something? I talked to someone recently at Pete's who said he had a cataract uh, uh, a procedure, and he said it changed his life. He's a little older than me, and I said, i got to get that done because I know my eyesight sucks, particularly at night. I don't know right, if it's and that's what I was expecting with the other eye. Yeah. And immediately it wasn't. I couldn't see nothing. I said, and that's when I went to the next day. I ended up going back to uh, the retina surgeons. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I tell you what, Rich, let's stay in touch. i got to do a break, and plus i got to take a call from uh, Nate Madison, who's calling in now uh, in a little okay, bit well, about Okay, don't forget, French Festival right. tomorrow. Oh, right, right. French Festival, always the week after uh, 4th of July, and that yep. starts tomorrow in Cape hope Vincent. You, hope you see you down here. That's awesome. Yes, French Festival tomorrow. Maybe you'll see Dan Aykroyd, too. Yep, Thanks. Thank you, Rich. Thank right. you for the invite as well. French Festival starts tomorrow. All right, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a quick break right now, and then after this, we'll get a phone call from our friend Nate. Well, unless he's on right now. Nate, you there? No, he's not. All right, Nate will call in after the break. I'll call him right now to do so. Uh, you listen. All right, we're back. Nate, you there? Nate, you there? Yes, I am. Hey, Nate Madison. Uh, Nate, what's what's your title again over there at the at the ball field? I am the director of operations here with the Watertown Rapids. Gotcha. Well, okay, so now here's the thing. The season's, well, pretty much you've gone through the first half of the season. You started early June right here at the Toyota Field at the fairgrounds. Uh, it's been yep. great weather. You've been rained out here and there, but you pretty much have, have gotten all the games uh, done that were scheduled up and through this point. Right, Nate? Yeah, no, we've uh, gotten really lucky this year you know, with the weather and stuff. The yep. weather's been uh, very uh, baseball-conducive, so we're... Very excited about that. <laughs> no, it's awesome. And, and of course, uh, Mike Shell, uh, famous uh, Watertown resident, uh, brought baseball back a couple of years ago. Uh, COVID got in the way, and uh, now you're, you're having a good season. But here's the thing. Uh, this time of year, you have a lot of games bunched up today. Uh, do you have a game tonight, Nate? Yeah, I'm actually standing right here at the field. We're about to kick off our uh, Watertown Daily Times night. Nice. Um, they're doing a bunch of, you know, activities and got some giveaways. So we're having all sorts of fun down here and encourage everybody to come out. we still got just a little bit of time until uh, first pitch. Uh, we're scheduled to get underway about 625, 630. So 
still got a little bit of time. Come on, you know, come on down and catch some baseball. Well, that's awesome. And then you also have a couple of games this weekend. Is that correct? Yeah, we've got a game Saturday, which is our State Farm Night presented by our good friend, yeah. uh, Laura D. Whitney. Yeah. And her policyholders are eligible to get a free ticket into the game and a hot dog, mm. ice cream. Um, so, if you know, if you uh, want to come to the game and you uh, work with Laura, go see her. And, uh, you know, you'll be able to get, get your free goodies. Also, I believe Laura was uh, instrumental in getting uh, the, the jerseys for the team this year, too. She sponsored that, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah, she did uh, sponsor our awesome new uh, home jerseys that the guys are indeed wearing tonight. Yeah. So uh, she's a big, big supporter of our team. Big proponent of local sports, race car driving, but uh, definitely baseball. And uh, she's literally right across the street on Coffee Street. You just look for the trolley uh, for State Farm, uh, Pe- uh, Laura Whitney. All right, so here's the thing. The problem is, and it's not a problem, is that you can't, you, you, your team's going to go on the road for at least a week or so because the Jefferson County Fair starts next Tuesday. So, you know, there's a lot, yeah. of, lot of games going on this weekend. So you really want to tell people that if you're going to see a game, you're going to see it now before they leave for a week. Is that correct, Nate? Yeah, we will be taking off. Um, you know, we will we'll be taking off this whole next week uh, from home games. But we will turn around as soon as the fair is done the next day. We will have a home game back here, so we're excited. You know, uh, we're going to miss our fans for that week, but we're excited to welcome everybody right back on the 18th following the fair. That's all. So, how's it been? Are people showing up. I know. You know, it's 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 you know, it's the entertainment dollar is tough, but there's so many things to see at the ballpark on any given game, uh, Nate. So, how's it been? Yeah, no, the attendance has been great. We've gotten some new fans, our loyal fans. Right. You know, people that have come for their first time. So, it, it, you know, it's awesome. It's, it's been a really great summer as far as that goes. Yeah, and it's always, trust me, it's, I mean, it could be great weather. It could be great baseball. I know the team is winning again. I know they had a slide there. But, you know, it's tough because you have, you have a good, great bunch of guys from all over the country that have never played with each other before. Some have, don't get me wrong. But uh, now it seems like they're gelling as a unit, uh, Nate. Yeah, they are. Um, you know, the, the team, yeah, we did go on a little bit of a slide. But, boy, we've really... Um, rebounded back from that, and you know we're we're on a very uphill, really good. You know the t- the team's gelling really well right now. The one guy that stands out on your team this year, he's a big kid. Uh, he looks like Guerrero from Toronto. Uh, what's that? Pl- what's that player's name? He 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 kind of stands yeah. out this year. He uh, his name's uh, Tyree Bradley. He's uh, got I think the uh, most home runs on the team. He's you know just a solid. Solid, solid, solid player. Where is he from? Where is he from, this kid? That I do not know. I do not know where Tyree is from. But whenever I see, like I said, I compare him to young Guerrero on the Toronto Blue Jays. Vlad was his father, of course. A big guy. He's not your traditional, he's not your quintessential baseball body because we always look at tall, lanky guys. Kind of, you know, you're not lanky, but you're a big, you're more of, you look like Josh Allen, to tell you the truth. But uh, <laughs> the, the, you really do. Facially, you are Josh Allen. I haven't seen both of you in the same room together. But that's neither here nor there. I got, a, I got one minute left. I just want to say that he's just one of many examples why, you know, you look at a bunch of young college kids that are playing their hearts out, either on the road or right here at the Toyota Field. And yet another reason why it's a great uh, night uh, to go out and get out of the house and enjoy a baseball game. Him and the others. Yeah, no, it is. And tonight we've got beautiful weather, so come on out. 
uh, come check us out. Get a hot dog, hamburger, soda, beer. We got it all. Nate, thank you very much. And don't be shy. Uh, Johnny says to come on in when you can and talk to him on the border when, when, when you have an opportunity, Nate. It, it, and if you can, all right, please I do will, so. I will be sure to do that. Thanks, Glenn. Thank you, Nate. Thank you very much. Uh, Nate Madison, we know him as Moose. Uh, he's the uh, director of operations over there at uh, the fairgrounds for the Watertown uh, Rapids. I wanted to say the Wizards. I'm sorry. They are the Rapids. Mike Shell named them the Rapids. Great name. Symbolic of Watertown, New York. we got to sign off right now because CBS News is coming in and all this uh, conservative uh, uh, stuff. AM 1240, WE10 Watertown makes this legal. Up next, CBS. This is CBS News on the Hour, sponsored by Facet Wealth. I'm Monica Ricks in New York. The former Minneapolis police officer who killed George Floyd got hit with another prison sentence today. CBS's Jennifer Kuyper reports. Derek Chauvin has been sentenced to 21 years in federal prison for violating George Floyd's civil rights.